When will the Falcons name their next head coach? And it will it boil down to an ultimatum where owner Arthur Blank has got to make a choice between Rich McKay and Bill Belichick? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, the humblest host. That is Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for. Over 15 years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP, still going strong on this illustrious podcast. And I appreciate each and every one of you that is an everydayer that makes this illustrious pod your first listen, your first watch each and every day. And you, too, can become an everydayer. All you got to do is subscribe for free or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we will continue our positional breakdowns, looking back at the 2023 season, talking about the wide receiver group. We'll talk about Drake London's potential to be the true number one wide receiver that the Falcons need and why this team needs to become more explosive elsewhere at the wide receiver position. But of course, we're starting today's episode with the latest updates on the Falcons head coaching search, uh, which does not seem to be like it's about to come to an end, but we'll talk about why that is you know as of this recording the falcons have lined up eight second interviews over the next week or two four of them are coaches that are currently uh have their teams participating in the conference championship game which is lions offensive coordinator ben johnson lions defensive coordinator aaron glenn ravens defensive coordinator mike mcdonald and ravens d-line coach anthony weaver uh, these interviews cannot occur until after this weekend's conference championship games play there's no word yet on if the Falcons have lined up a second interview for 49ers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, who they did have a first interview with, who would also fall into that category. But the other four remaining second interviews are reportedly with Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morse, uh, Panthers defensive coordinator Ajiro Evero, Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, and Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, although there are recent reports just before I jumped on this episode that the Chargers are actively negotiating with Jim Harbaugh, and so that could potentially cross him off the list. The Falcons have already conducted a second interview with ex-Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. That happened last Friday. They have a first interview reportedly set to happen on Wednesday of this week with ex-Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. Um, and they were going to have a second interview this week with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, but the Titans decided, nah, we're not going to let him uh, get to those second interviews with the Falcons and other teams, and they hired him as their head coach on Monday. I think that's a good hire. Check out Locked on Titans for more insight into that and why they're excited about what Brian Callahan's going to bring there. Um, so all this clearly shows that the Falcons have a robust and comprehensive search for their next head coach, and this is going into this process, what we thought it was going to be. Now, what's been interesting is some of the rumors, the reports on why the Falcons still are, you know, having this comprehensive search rather than, you know, narrowing their focus onto one particular guy, which, you know, reportedly for, you know, since they fired Arthur Smith has been 
Bill Belichick, Josh Kendall of The Athletic, is the latest to kind of push back on the Belichick or bust narrative that has been pervasive over the last two weeks. Others that have talked about that are Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, Steve Weish of NFL Network, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network has sort of danced around that as well. Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, now our good friend Zach Klein of WSB, the Atlanta's ABC affiliate, are citing sources that, you know, our favorite team president, Rich McKay, is potentially the biggest obstacle to bringing Belichick here to Atlanta. Breer mentioned that there is no love loss between Belichick and McKay, stemming from the latter's longtime stint over 30 years uh, on as the co-chair of the NFL's competition committee. And, you know, basically, in a nutshell, Belichick being a little bit old school and not loving some of the changes that the league has made to the game, you know, especially over special teams, that the competition committee has sort of pushed forward over those uh, period of time. Zach, on the other hand, is talking about sort of McKay's influence on Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, echoing reports that uh, Blank believes Belichick is the Falcons' best shot to win now, which is why the Falcons seemingly have zeroed in on him. But his sources are saying that, there's no world where all three, Blank, Belichick, and McKay, can work together moving forward. So it's ultimately suggesting that Blank may have to make a choice between Rich McKay or Bill Belichick. It's an ultimatum, right? If Blank chooses McKay, you know, the Falcons might actually wind up hiring a, a good head coach and have a potentially bright future ahead of it. It's going to be gumdrops, unicorns, and rainbows for the city of Atlanta. And if they choose Bill Belichick, um, then they won't be hiring a good head coach and it's going to be the dark times and nothing but oppression and fascism and all these things, you know, basically, you know, Belichick is the best thing to happen to the city of Atlanta since William T. Sherman. And, you know, if you know, you know, like that wasn't a good thing <laughs> when it comes to the city of Atlanta, what Sherman did here. So, you know, we're definitely clearly team McKay on this podcast. He's the hero that we need. You know, he's become a villain to a lot of Falcon fans, but, you know, you die a villain or you live long enough to see yourself become the hero, right? And so ultimately, we're wondering who Blank will choose. I'd like to believe that Blank, given that he's had a working relationship with Rich McKay for 20 years, um, will hire Rich McKay, will, will ride with Rich McKay. And, you know, again, I know this is an unpopular opinion to a lot of folks. I think that's the right call. You know, I know that sounds crazy to a lot of folks because, again, a lot of people think McKay is the number one problem holding back this team over the last 20 years. But, you know, I'm not going to get into all the reasons why I think Rich McKay gets a bad rap here. You know, he's made some mistakes, but, I, you know, I think most of those mistakes are forgivable mistakes. The, the same mistakes that pretty much every team, every organization, every person who's run a football team in the history of sports has made uh, from time to time. You know, my stance is I think Rich McKay's kind of been a scapegoat, I think. You know, a lot of people look at the mediocrity of the Falcons, especially over the last six years. And, you know, they are the causes of that mediocrity are a complex web of on-field issues. And part of the thing that I do on this podcast is trying my best to untangle that web for you, the listeners. And I think people tend to think that, you know, that's 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 hard and that's complicated. And they just rather believe that, hey, if you just get a pair of scissors and you make one cut with those scissors, you know, it'll completely solve that. Uh, problem and untangle the web, right? But I don't believe that. I don't think that's the case, but we'll leave that aside for now. So it does sound like, you know, when it comes to the timeline for when the Falcons might hire a coach, if, you know, McKay has his way, has that influence, it's going to take time. You know, the Falcons are potentially a week or two away from making that hire. Now, that hire, you know, if, if Blink chooses Belichick, you know, we could be days away from the Falcons making that hire, you know, 
it's already been reported that the Raheem Morris interview is going to be in person. I would assume the Ajiro Evero interview also will be in person. Um, and if both of those interviews do happen this week, that would satisfy the Rooney rule that the league has put in place where you need to bring in two external minority candidates for in-person interviews before you can proceed to hire your head coach. Um, and we'll see what the timeline is for that. But, you know, I want to see the Falcons continue to go through this thorough process because, again, I think the best coach for the Atlanta Falcons is not Bill Belichick. I think there's probably like eight <laughs> better options for the Atlanta Falcons than Bill Belichick, and I'll take any of those eight over Bill Belichick. That's just my personal opinion. And so, but if they continue to go through this process and and, and be patient and thorough and and be like, we do want to talk to Ben Johnson a second time. We do want to talk about to Mike McDonald a second time, who, who we've called young Belichick, who has basically, he's the day walker. He's, he's got all of Belichick's strengths and none of his weaknesses. If you understand that pop reference, I'm always dating myself with like 20 year old pop references on this podcast, <laughs> all culture references, but um, you know, I think that's the direction you want to see this Falcon team go. So if they are moving in that direction, we're probably not going to see a hire until February. If they, you know, aren't going in that direction, we'll probably find out within a week that they may have be announcing their new head coach. And that presumably will be Bill Belichick at that point in time. But we will leave the coaching conversation aside. We're going to look back at the 2023 season, continue our positional reviews, talking about the wide receiver position. And we'll focus coming up on today's episode on whether or not Drake London is the wide receiver the Falcons need, the wide receiver one, I should say, the Falcons need. And, you know, I think the answer to that question is not quite. But I do think if the Falcons' next regime kind of tweaks his role, he could become that guy, and we'll break that down as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, prize picks is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And now that basketball season is here, guys, you got to love their specials league, right? There's combination projections. You can combine two or more players from different leagues, different sports, college basketball, NBA, NFL, not so much college football anymore, but NHL, right? And if you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250. Prize picks is simple to play. Just pick two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and you're only going against the projections, not against any other players. And the more entries you make, the more money you can make up to 25 times your money. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selection of players and stat types is why PrizePix is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com slash locked on NFL and use code in lowercase locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash locked on NFL with promo code locked on NFL. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. So, guys, I want to promo the locked on sports today YouTube t- channel 24 7 streaming channel first of its kind here on YouTube. And of course, they're giving the biggest stories on all the sports across the world. And if you're looking for a more local flavor, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta's 24-7 stream channel to get those most recent updates on the Falcons, Braves, uh, Bulldogs, Hawks, etc. So that's all part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So when we talk about the wide receiver group, you know, the mainstay is, is Drake London. You know, we'll talk about why we could see major overhaul for uh, this wide receiver group a little bit later. But, you know, I think the conversation around Drake London often is similar to the conversation surrounding B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts as just another weapon that Arthur Smith failed to to maximize here in Atlanta. And again, there's a kernel of truth there, but I, I tend to think that narrative is typically driven by fantasy football and not necessarily reality football, right? You know, I think the Falcons certainly could have gotten more out of Drake London uh, this past year. 
Um, I don't necessarily think it's all because of Arthur Smith's play calling. Watching the film, you know, to me, there were plenty of times Drake London was open and the quarterback went a different way. Right. And, you know, if the quarterback was inclined to force Drake London the ball, as Desmond Ritter was at the end of the 2022 season due to the injuries elsewhere at, at on their offense, you know, we would have seen Drake London's production spike this year, but we didn't get those things. And, you know, the other thing I know is watching the film this year, and I think this is true of not only Drake London, but also Bijan and Kyle Pitts, is that too often, in my opinion, in critical situations, you know, those third down situations, I don't think Drake London was a reliable winner in those situations, right? That when defenses would basically man up the Falcons' skill position players, you know, the Falcons didn't really have that guy that they could reliably, you know, they could, that could reliably win in those situations in the ways that Julio Jones were in their, oh, Julio Jones and Roddy White were in their primes. And, you know, as I often say, like, I don't think it's quite fair to say, oh, Drake has to be as good as Roddy and Julio are. I, I think Drake has to be the best version of Drake London. And we'll talk about, you know, how I think we can get the best version of Drake London in a bit. But, you know, certainly I, I do think there is room for improvement at the wide receiver position for the Falcons to potentially find that guy, right? That true blue number one receiver. And again, to be fair to Drake, there's like probably no more than 12 of those guys currently in the NFL today. And Drake doesn't necessarily have to be one of those 12 to, to be good here in Atlanta. Like, for example, and I'm not saying that, you know, Drake is this ranking. I, you know, I don't know where I would rank Drake on wide receivers because I don't spend that much time thinking about my wide receiver rankings as much as I, I think about quarterback rankings. But, you know, let's say Drake is the 17th best wide receiver in the NFL. Like, that's not a bad place to be. Um, but, you know, again, how do you maximize that? How do you get the most of that so that even if Drake is the 17th best wide receiver, he can perform like the 12th best or the 10th best wide receiver in the NFL? And basically, my stance is the same as it was when we drafted him. I haven't seen uh, really much evidence to really change my opinion over the last two years on this. And I, I think Drake is best utilized as that sort of power, big slot, whatever you want to call it. Right. And the Falcons, to me, haven't really embraced that. And the only time they did was in those like final six games in 2022 when Kyle Pitts was hurt and the Falcons were forcing him the ball. And a lot of that came with him being in the slot. And that, to me, was the best stretch of games that Drake London has had since he arrived in Atlanta. I don't think that's a coincidence. And then I was looking at the numbers this today, earlier today, and I thought this was an interesting stat. It's probably more coincidental than I'm. It's going to sound like coming, sharing it with you. But like, if you look at the games where Drake London, you know, had thirty percent or more of his snaps in the slot, the Falcons this year in those games were five and two. Now, again. That's probably more of a coincidence than a direct correlation or direct causation because only like two of those games was Drake's production as a receiver primarily or, you know, he had any significant production out of the slot. So it's more coincidental than anything. But, you know, it it's a you know, it's a little bit extra on the on the mountain of evidence to me that suggests that Drake London is best utilized in the slot. Right. Um, and I think the film backs this up. You know, Drake isn't necessarily the greatest separator in the NFL. Like, you know, I'd probably on the 10 point scale it's probably like a six, you know, that's like a B minus or something like that. I don't know where you would put that, but somewhere around there. Um, and I think that leads to some limitations as an outside receiver, right? Like we know he can win on jump balls. We know he can win on back shoulder throws, but I think if that's the ways that you win on the outside and that's consistently been the ways that Drake has won on the outside, you know, I think that lowers your ceiling as an outside receiver, unless you're blessed with outstanding speed, like a DK Metcalf who wins in a lot of similar ways. 
you know, but for the guys that don't necessarily have that elite speed, like Cortland Sutton and Mike Williams that also win in those ways, like those aren't guys that, you know, you sort of say are like number one wide receivers. Maybe they're high end number twos, but that's about it. And so I think Drake's lack of speed there kind of limits him on the outside. Now, I don't think that speed limits him on the, in the slot, right? Because he can use his size and his physicality against nickel corners who still tend to be smaller and slower than their outside counterparts in the NFL. And I think that's where he can create the most mismatches and do the most damage against your typical NFL defense. So instead of trying to make Drake London into basically a Mike Williams as an outside guy, turn him into Keenan Allen, who's the Chargers' primary slot guy. You know, make him into a Marcus Colston. Make him into a Michael Thomas type of player, right? Um, and my hope is that the next coaching staff sort of embraces Drake in that role, and I think that will lead to Drake, you know, continuing to get better and be a more effective go-to wide receiver in the event that the Falcons can't find a Julio Jones or a Roddy White uh, to, to be sort of that true blue number one guy. Let's talk about, you know, the Falcons finding that other receiver. And let's talk about the complimentary pieces besides Drake Lynn that the Falcons had at the position. And, you know, we can lump Van Jefferson, Scotty Miller, Kadero Hodge and, and Matt Collins into a single conversation. You know, I, I think that group is fine. If you had better quarterback play, if Matt Stafford or Justin Herbert was the Falcons quarterback this year, that group would have been more than good enough for the Falcons to reach their goals and make the playoffs and, and all that stuff. But obviously the Falcons didn't have that level of quarterback play. And it's funny because all offseason, all summer long, you heard me talking about how the Falcons needed to upgrade their wide receiver position, talking about Corey Davis and Hunter Renfro and all these various things. And I'm basically the justification I said then was that, you know, upgrading the wide receiver is going to be a priority in 2024. And here we are. But of course, I'm far too humble to say I told you so here on this illustrious podcast. But, you know, basically, what I was saying then, if you weren't listening to the podcast back then, is that if your primary function for your number two wide receiver is to be a blocker, then yeah, Matt Collins is a good get in that role. But if you're going to need that number two receiver to do more than that, then Matt Collins is going to be uh, leave a little bit um, to be desired. And clearly, as the season wore on, the Falcons were looking for more than that. Now, you know, when we talk about why Arthur Smith is out of a job, you know, as we talked about a couple of days ago when we talked about the quarterbacks, a lot of people think it's, oh, he bet on Desmond Ritter, and that's the reason. And, you know, that's a big that's a big part of it. But to me, the real bet that Arthur Smith made that cost the Falcons and cost him his job is his bet on this Falcons team being this super physical football team, being the team that could go out there and run for 150 plus yards every single week, right, as they did basically a year ago, right? And that was going to be the way that they won. And that's part of the reason why they were willing to bet on a quarterback like Desmond Ritter, because it was like, we think this is going to be the identity of the football team. And then we got to like that Lions game in week three. And it was like, uh oh, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. Now, I'll give this regime some credit because they realized they had that uh oh moment and they tried to pivot. Right. They traded for Van Jefferson ahead of the week six game. They benched Mac Hollins. They gave more reps to Jefferson, more reps for Scotty Miller, more reps for Kadero Hodge to try to get more speed on the field to open up the offense and trying to be more explosive. It didn't work. That's why we're here talking about a new coach. All right. Talking about new receivers. But I've seen previous Falcons regimes never even pivot off of their initial plans going into the season. Right. I'm looking at you, Mike Smith. I'm looking at you, Dirk Cutter, way back in 2013 when Julio and Roddy get hurt. And you're like, hey, we're just going to keep doing what we do 
with Harry Douglas and Drew Davis and Darius Johnson, and that's going to be just as good as Julio and Roddy, and, you know, didn't help them. So I give this regime a little bit of credit, a little bit of credit for at least attempting. But, of course, you know, you got to succeed when you attempt, right? You know, you you know, you can... You can shoot all the threes that you want, but if you're missing all the shots, then, you know, doesn't really matter. Um, so, you know, this next regime, it's pivotal that they not only attempt to, to make this pivot to open up the offense and add more speed to the offense, they got to succeed, right? You look at this past year, the Falcons finished 22nd in explosive plays, 20-plus yard plays this past year. That was the same ranking they had in 2022. You look over the three years of Arthur Smith's tenure here, you know, collectively in the NFL, they were 29th in, in those explosive plays. So they were in the bottom five, right? Tied for 29th, I should say. Right. And again, they were tied with the Steelers who had the same number of plays. And at least in the Steelers case, I would blame that more on the play calling because the Steelers actually had explosive weapons like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and all that stuff. So, and like, I, I think the, the Falcons were held back because they didn't have those explosive weapons quite to the same degree. So that's why, like I, I sit here, like it's definitely play calling with the Steelers. Not so much with Arthur Smith, but you compare that 29th ranking over the last three years here in Atlanta under Arthur Smith to the ninth ranking that the Titans had in the two years that Arthur Smith was calling plays there. And, you know, you know, I don't like being reductive, but if you were to basically say that's the number one reason why you had differing outcomes for the Falcons offense under Arthur Smith for the last three years and the Titans offense for two years under Arthur Smith. Basically, what I'm saying, I wouldn't push back against that narrative. I'd be like, yeah, yes. I'd be quietly egging you on, like, you know, keep talking, keep talking, because you're, you're spitting hot fire, right? You know, so that's kind of where it stands. This next regime is going to have to find ways to get more explosive, and we'll talk about, you know, how some of the ways that they can do that in free agency and in the draft as we continue and wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So if you have the passion, drive, and patience, you're going to be able to bring home that winning trophy. And it's the same as true as what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle, level it up to peak performance, you know, from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always Find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash, baby. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. So tomorrow, our plan is to continue talking about the coaching search as well as get into the tight end position. Parker has the agenda. We'll be thriving. Tune in as your first listen. But we'll wrap up today's episode talking about the wide receiver position. And again, upgrading this wide receiver position outside of Drake London is going to absolutely be a priority. You can argue after the quarterback, after improving the pass rush, it's probably the third biggest priority for this team this offseason. I saw a stat where the Falcons had the lowest number of receiving yards produced by wide receivers this past year. Right. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of proof positive that they got to get more production out of this position group. Now, Van Jefferson, Kadero Hodge, Scotty Miller, Mike Collins, they're all free agents this offseason. And I think each one of these guys are can contribute as role players. Right. If you want one or more of these guys to be your three, four or five wide receivers, I think they can do that. Right. So 
there's some combination of the Falcons trying to resign these guys. Again, if I was forced to choose, I'd probably, you know, prioritize bringing Scotty Miller or Kadero Hodge back because I think they're probably going to give you your best bang for your buck, right? They're going to be able to give you potentially more on offense and special teams than Van Jefferson would. And, you know, they're both on the right side of 30 as opposed to Matt Collins. So that's why I would prefer those two over him. But, you know, depending on who the Falcons hire as their head coach and play caller, like we could see a major overhaul here. We could see four new receivers in this building, you know, next to Drake London this upcoming season. And, you know, if again, if I'm sitting here, you know, giving my advice, I'm saying it's all about speed, baby. You know, I said this in season, you know, I compared it to kind of how the Saints build their receiver core, you know, a decade ago when their top options were Marcus Colston and, and Jimmy Graham. And I think there are obvious parallels to Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts in, in those two players. And they surrounded those guys with fast receivers, Lance Moore, DeVere Henderson, Robert Meacham, Joe Morgan, Kenny Stills. Now, going back to an earlier point, you know, they had better quarterback play. And I think having, you know, elite distributor like Drew Brees meant that you didn't necessarily need all those complimentary pieces to be great. And, you know, I don't think the Falcons are going to get, you know, 2009, 2012 Drew Brees in terms of their quarterback play this year. But again, I would love to see it. So the Falcons are probably going to need to get better players than DeVary Henderson or Robert Meacham uh, to surround Drake Lennon and Kyle Pitts uh, than the Saints need to. So, you know, we'll see if they can do that. Who's going to call plays is going to matter. Like in a world where the Falcons hire Ben Johnson, you know, maybe they push for Josh Reynolds to be that number two. He was very productive this year with the Lions this past year as in making some of those explosive plays on the digs and the crossers in that Lions offense. You know, we've talked about in the two previous positions, quarterback and running back, you know, some of the potential changes that could happen if the Falcons do uh, hire Bill Belichick and then potentially bring in someone like a Josh McDaniels as their play caller. And I think unlike those other two positions where I'd be very skeptical about the direction they would go with that hire, I think wide receiver is one position where at least in some ways you could make the case that say a Josh McDaniels makes a ton of sense because you could sort of see McDaniels using Drake in the same ways that he used Jacoby Myers, who primarily spent you know, like 60, 70% of his snaps in New England in the slot and was very productive that way. Going back to what we talked about in the best ways of utilizing Drake London. Now, the downside of that hire potentially could be is, yeah, it will maximize Drake London, but like, I don't know if I had that much faith in Belichick, McDaniels being able to find that number two wide receiver, right? You know, are they going to add Kendrick Bourne? Kendrick Bourne's a perfectly capable wide receiver, but he's a number three at best, not a, not a number two. And then when you look at the, the Patriots draft record, when it comes to wide receivers, you know, using premium picks on wide receivers is not very good historically. So, um, you know, I don't know if I would trust those guys to be able to solve the Falcons wide receiver problems, even if they would be potentially good for Drake London. Um, so I think when we talk about the Falcons offseason, you know, I think you're going to you're going to see this team rely heavily on free agency and the draft to, to upgrade this position. I think they need to invest at speed. You know, I've I've joked with folks that if if the, if you're if you don't run a four four two, I don't want you on this team, right? Basically, we need to get you know exhum Al Davis's corpse, you know, get a necromancer, Bill Belichick, uh, you know, probably practices the evil arts, uh, <laughs> resurrect Al Davis's corpse. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry for saying this, but like, you know, and just be hey Al, let Al pick the receivers. And I joke, but like at the same time, like I'm not really joking. Like that's kind of the, the direction the Falcons I think need to go. You know, obviously it's not as simple as solving your problems. Hey, just draft a bunch of fast guys. Otherwise, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, you know, Tyquan Thornton would have solved some of their issues with being more explosive. But you know, I certainly think, you know, I don't 
need to really have to, you know, you should understand why it's probably easier to be an explosive offense when you have a bunch of guys that run four threes as opposed to a bunch of guys that run four sixes. You know, I don't, I don't think that you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why, you know, those teams that have more speed at the wide receiver position tend to be more explosive than the teams that don't. So, you know, that's kind of where we're going to leave it. This upgrading the wide receiver position is going to be an ongoing conversation this offseason. So I don't feel as compelled to get into sort of the specific options that they need to. We'll probably get into as we get closer to free agency, talk more about those specific options. Once we have a, an idea of, of what style of offense this is going to be once the Falcons make that head coaching hire um, and some of the players that they may wind up targeting, but it's going to be a priority this offseason. And then, you know, potentially, you know, last year when I was at the senior bowl, I focused a lot on the, the trenches, right? And this year, I think I'm going to probably focus on the quarterbacks and the wide receivers because I think there's a good bet that a couple of these guys that are down there will be picked up by the Falcons, you know, this April. So that may be more of an ongoing conversation that we talk about next week uh, on the podcast. So stay tuned to that. Continue to make us your first listen. Of course, check out Locked On Sports today and Locked On Sports Atlanta's 24-7 streaming channels uh, as well. Check out Locked On NFL as your second listen to get the updates on all the latest news going on around the NFL. Locked On Titans, Locked On Chargers. Uh, to hear what's going on with their coaching searches. Uh, It's all part of Lockdown Podcast Network, guys. Your team, every day. Tomorrow's the Parker Hesse agenda, baby.